Good, good morning. Morning. Hi. Yeah, it's, uh, I walked in here in the morning and the room was quarter full. And I was assured that when I come back, I'll find it full. So it's encouraging to, to see all of us here, to fellowship together with you. As you've heard, my name is Kelvin Musioki. I am a member of Grace Baptist Church. That's where I come from. And I've come with my dear wife, Leslie, who is an alumni of Jinkot. Yeah, so... <coughs> and, and another surprising thing is um, being asked to preach thrice the same message. <laughs> so I one of the people who will not forget what I'm saying is my wife and Tina Esther. So I, I hope we'll be blessed. Let's get right to, to the word of the Lord. My topic today is trust and obey. I started in the morning by mentioning clearly that Christianity is about those two words. And you cannot talk about trusting and fail to talk about obedience, as we shall see. The crux or the core of Christianity is those two words. I will be interchangeably using the word believing in place of trusting. So whenever I talk about faith, believing, understand that I'm referring to trust. And when you look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, from verse 18 to 20, before our Lord ascended to heaven after his resurrection, he gave the disciples a very concise, clear, unmistakably authoritative command to go out make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he had commanded them. And the goal of the Great Commission, dear friends, is our topic today. Go make disciples, followers of me, Believers in me, teaching them to do what? Obey or simply observe all that I have commanded you. So the goal of the Great Commission, embedded in the Great Commission, is trust or faith and obedience. Our passage today is 1 John chapter 5 from verse 1 to 5. If you can turn to your Bibles, to the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. I can't hear flipping of Bibles, so we are using 
soft copies. So I will read God's word. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Lastly, verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? May we ask for the Lord's blessing. Our dear Father, as you speak through your manservant, pray that you'll grant utterance, grant clarity, grant, grant conviction. Grant that your word will not go back to the void. But having accomplished what you have intended to do in our midst, may it result and redound to the glory of your name, as well as the edification of the body of Christ. We ask in Jesus' name. We we look at this message in two parts. Number one, trusting will fall into something I will explain as the roots. And obedience or obey will fall into what I will call the fruit. And we will see that believing must precede behavior. That's why they have rightly called it trust and obey, not obey and trust. Believing must precede behavior. And as it goes, if you know a bit of agriculture, the root must come before the fruit. We cannot talk about a fruit that is here to produce a, a root. The root must produce the fruit. And we'll start with the root, which is attached to the word trust. And from our passage, John starts by saying, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Let's camp there for some minutes. Now, it would be so wrong to speak about Christianity and whatever surrounds Christianity whatever we are supposed to do as Christians, how we are supposed to live as Christians, if you do not address how we become Christians. 
And that is the root. John is saying, everyone who believes, that is the person who has been born of God. Everyone who has trusted, and this trust is in the object he presents as Jesus Christ. The object of that faith is Jesus Christ. And he says, this is the person who has been born of God. This is the person who has experienced the new birth. And a very common example we normally give is, friends, when you were born, and all of us have been born once, at least once, that is mandatory. But there is a second birth that is not universal, but is necessary in our relationship to God. The first physical birth, no one escapes that. As long as you're alive, you must be born for you to exist. But there is a second birth that is conditional, and that involves faith or trust in Jesus Christ. That is the person that John says has been born of God. And we will look at the rest of verse 1 and the other four verses. John now proceeds after speaking about the root of our faith. He proceeds to unpack the fruit of this faith. But is it necessary, brothers and sisters, to be born of God? Is it a must? Should we continue doing what Jesus commanded 2,000 years ago? Calling people to believe, to trust in him. Why? Why do we spend so much money in Samburu, in Baringo, Trukana, the ends of the earth? preaching about Jesus Christ? Why do we spend and why are we spent speaking about this man, Jesus Christ? What is so special about him? What benefits do we get from believing in Jesus Christ? Let's turn to the book of John chapter 3. Here is a man, a man you would naturally admire his credentials. A man who was renowned in Israel. A man called Nicodemus. And this man, because of one of the reasons might be fear of his fellow Pharisees, who are very opposed to Jesus Christ, so he comes to the Lord at night wanting to know more about this man and what he's providing, what he's come to do. And Nicodemus comes. John says there was this man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, 
he was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So far, it's clear that Nicodemus is a religious man. Not just a religious man, a leader among the religion of his time. Secondly, such people were respected men. And he comes to Jesus. You imagine what Pharisees were doing to our Lord Jesus. Seeking a way to snap him. To catch him in his words. So that they may condemn him and kill him. This man, out of the ilk, comes to Jesus. And calls Jesus Rabbi. Stoops a bit low for a Pharisee to call our Messiah Rabbi, teacher. And Nicodemus was a teacher of the Jews. Religious, respected, respectful to Jesus himself. And of course, he was renowned in his time. And Jesus tells him, Nicodemus comes with this approach of asking, you know, affirming Jesus, you know, we know you do this, you know, you are a good teacher. Jesus interrupts and reroutes the conversation and tells him, my friend, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It, it doesn't matter whether you are a religious leader, Nicodemus, it doesn't matter whether you are respectful and recognize me as a teacher. It doesn't matter the status you have in the society. If you are not born again, Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And the conversation goes on and on. And in verse 9, he says, Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can these things be? How can I be born of the spirit and water? Jesus says to him, are you the teacher of Israel? The teacher. We normally, not I, but people normally make the joke of having the University of Nairobi. Just meaning that it's a they believe it's the best university, but that's beside the point. Whenever the article the is used, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father apart from him. That excludes him as the only way to the Father. And Nicodemus is referred to as the teacher of the Jews. This is a man who was renowned, a theologian of his time. But Jesus tells him, good, put that aside. 
what I want you to do is be born again. I don't care about all those things. I don't care how, how many years you've served in the temple. If you are not born again, my dear friend, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And why, why does Jesus emphasize that? To even disregarding such a man like Nicodemus would be an admirable role model. It is because, friends, we have an inherent problem that we are brought into this world with. That's why we must start with the root, having our trust in the right place, in the right person. Why must you be born of God? That John is speaking about everyone who believes has been born of God. But why do we need this new birth? We need this new birth because we are estranged from God. We are by nature enemies of God. We are not good. Romans 3, none is good, none seeks after God. David in Psalms 51, that great lament after sinning with another man's wife. In verse 5, David says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and my mother conceived me in sin. I was not born an angel. That little David, that little bubbly baby was not an angel. David acknowledges that he was brought into this world a sinner. And in that state, in that state, we stand in the danger, in the path of meeting God in his anger and wrath. A holy, holy, holy God cannot entertain a sinful, sinful, sinful man or woman. And therefore, there must be a new birth. That's why I said this second birth is not mandatory, but it's necessary. That's why Christ had to emphasize to Nicodemus three times, you must. Nicodemus, not that you can, not that I'm suggesting you should, you must be born again if you are to enter the kingdom of God. And therefore he was not recommending a refurbishing of his secret life, spiritual life. He was not recommending a repair or renovation of his life. Jesus was recommending, recommending a turn around, a renewal, a change of heart removing of the heart of stone and giving of a heart of flesh that can respond to God in what we shall see as the fruit of obedience. So how does this new birth come about? How can this old nature of sin go and the new nature come? As Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 
5.17, it is in these simple words, everyone who believes, period. If you can only believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be born again and you will be born again if you will simply trust in Jesus you can be born of God this is not a superficial or intellectual ascent into acknowledging that this man was the wisest of his time this is not an appreciation of his wise saints and parables and stories this is an acknowledgement that God sent his only, beloved, sinless, spotless, perfect son into this sinful world to live a sinless life on behalf of sinners. And to hang on that bloody cross so that you may be declared not guilty. Because as we stand, we are guilty. We are guilty as we naturally everyone is headed to destruction. And that's why the new birth is necessary. So you must establish the root. Faith is of necessity if we are to complete that statement of trusting and obeying as the basic lifestyle of a Christian. So you have to trust in Jesus. You have to believe that he died for your sins. You have to acknowledge that you are a sinner. And you have to come to him and say, I repent and believe that you did what you did on Calvary for people like me. Otherwise, if you go like the Pharisee who went to the temple with a tax collector, and what he started doing is praying, God, I thank you that I am not like this guy. What do I do? I fast twice a week. When they were required to do it once, he was doing it twice a week. I give my tithes and many, many other things. This sinner simply said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Those are the people that qualify for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not for self-righteous good people. It is for sinful, wretched men and women like I and you. And Christ opens his arms to all. That's why he had a problem with Pharisees. That's why they could not receive him. Because their righteousness, they believed, was the way to God. And Christ was saying, you cannot hit the standard of God. Isaiah says, even our righteousness, the best of us, Isaiah 64 verse 6, is filthy rags before God. So there has to be a man who can live the life you cannot, 
die the death that you deserve so that God can say on behalf of Jesus, I forgive this one, not because of what you do. So you have to start there. And without faith and trust, without that new birth, obedience will be against our nature. We cannot speak about obedience in Christianity if the root is not well established. And that root lies in the word trusting, believing in the Lord Jesus. That is the person that John says has been born of God. And that is the person John continues to explain that he is able to obey. That is the only person who can obey God cheerfully, consistently. And for the glory of God, only one who has been born of God. John continues in chapter verse 1 and says, And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. Friends, if you are not born of God, and maybe you have experienced this if you're not a Christian, obeying God is an uphill task. It is not a delight. It is not in your nature. The nature of a natural unregenerate person is to do the will of his father. And the father of anyone who is not yet a believer is the devil. John chapter 8. John says, if anyone does not practice righteousness, he is of the devil. Everyone who practices righteousness is of God. Those are the two distinctions we make of humanity. In the economy of God, we do not speak of the poor and the rich. The marginalized and those who are well off. We do not speak of skin colors. In God's kingdom, in God's perspective, and this is how God looks at humanity. You are either a child of God or a child of the devil. Walking in light or walking in darkness. A sheep of Christ or a goat. You are either born again or not. You are either under the enslavement of the devil, of sin, or freed in Christ. The Bible clearly speaks that there are only two groups and there are only two destinations after this. Heaven or hell. In the perspective of God. 
So, we must be born again for us to appreciate obedience. Not only to appreciate obedience, but to obey. You must be born again. Sometimes we consider this matter as trusting is the sweet bit of our Christianity. Obedience is the bitter part of our Christianity. And we tend to segregate both. But faith and obedience are inseparable. They are two sides of the same coin. You cannot talk about a Christian who believes but does not obey. And that's the point of John. Whoever has been born of God loves the Father and loves whoever loves the children of God. Whoever has been born of God loves the Father and loves whoever has been born of God. And what is this love like? John continues, we know that the love, by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. are not burdensome because I am of the nature that is attuned to obedience. When I was still dead in my sins, I was of the nature that is attuned to unrighteousness. And that is why Paul says to the church in Ephesus, we were following the course of this world doing by nature the things that are against the will of God. Can I prove that we are born sinful? Who teaches that little girl to lie to the mother? Well, to steal sugar. Okay, to, to be selfish. Can I continue? To steal. <laughs> Everyone goes to school to learn so many things, but not sin. Sin is very inherent in us. And that's why Paul is clear on saying, by nature we do the things that please our former master, the devil. But once we cross over, Translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son of God, the kingdom of light, there is a rewiring. The things we used to love, we hate. The things we used to hate, we start loving. The obedience that was so burdensome, John says, this commands to anyone who has been born of God, are not burdensome anymore. When the root is rightly placed, the fruit must be born. 
from one who has been saved. And he uses a very common word, love. Love. When we say we love God, when we sing about our love for God, he says anyone who does that in regard to God, that person must of necessity of the new nature he has be obedient, submitted to the master, Lord Jesus. And this submission is not burdensome. I told the first group that when a person becomes a Christian, it is not a transition to perfection, but it is definitely a change of direction. That's why you wonder, brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, you ask, you used to be part of that crew that was those bad boys, eh? But I don't know what happened. Aliokoka, nilisikia aliokoka. Ama I think aliokoka. Because he's going to church now, loves Christians, spends time in God's word, has changed his wayward ways, it is natural for anyone who has been born of God to walk in the ways of God. The root must produce the fruit. And I was talking about the word love. John says, anyone who says, I love God, chapter 4 of the same book, verse 20, if anyone says, I love God, I will add, if anyone sings, I love God. If anyone prays, I love God. And hates his brother, he is a liar. In short, don't believe what is coming out of the mouth if I can't walk the talk. He is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. Jesus at some point in Matthew 7 asks his disciples, can a bad tree bear good fruit? Or can a good, fruit good tree bear bad fruit? It is not possible for a bad tree, a diseased tree, to bear good fruit. It is the same with us. When we are unconverted, we cannot walk in obedience. We cannot bear good fruit of obedience. So if I tell my wife I love her every day or even twice a day, and I'm the one always beating, cheating, not providing, not being there for her. Do I really love my wife? I don't. Therefore, my actions end up betraying my very own words. That is the point John is driving. Anyone who has been born of God obeys God. 
So this faith, when we are saved, when we are brought into the kingdom of God, we are not saved by the deeds of the law. Paul is clear on that. No one shall be justified before God by the deeds of the law. A good example is the thief on the cross. That man attended no Bible study, I believe. That man went to no church, I think. That man was not religious. That man went to the cross and almost died without, actually died without any good commendation from the society. They actually paid him by crucifying him next to Jesus. But one of those two men went to heaven when the other one perished. What was the basis? And both men were robbers. What was the basis? The basis was simply believing in Jesus. Jesus, when you come to your kingdom, remember me. And as sure as God is true, Jesus assured him, today you will be with me in paradise. Because of believing and believing in Christ and his finished work alone. So we are saved by faith alone, and I will say that this faith is not alone, never alone. The basis of our coming to faith is, to Christianity is faith alone. Just believe. But that faith never exists alone. It has to bear fruit. It has to bear fruit. Trust and obedience, they are two sides of the very, very same coin. And therefore, can you know that you are truly born again? You can. You can. Is your life a life of obedience? Does not mean that you are perfect, you are striving. Do you love God and obey God or is it something that you hate and even don't look forward to doing. Even when you fall, you have remorse. God, help me rise again. That's a true believer. But one who says, I am saved, and I think that's enough. However I live, doesn't matter. That is the person who Jesus in Luke chapter 6, 46 asks, why do you call me Lord, and yet you do not do what I tell you? Why? Why do you call me Lord, and do not follow my footsteps? Am I truly your Lord? If you claim to trust, but you, you are not ready to obey, are you truly a follower of Jesus Christ?
And as he finishes with the last two verses, he says, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? In the same chapter, look at verse 19. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world is simply under the bondage of the evil one. Apart from who? The one who has been born of God. He is the one who overcomes. And overcoming the world is part of obedience. Say no to the things of the world. Earlier in chapter 2, he had said in verse 16, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. For whoever loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. John says, the person who overcomes the world is the one who has been born of God. And how has he been born of God? By believing, by trusting that Jesus is the son of God. That is the one we can call an overcomer, a conqueror. The one who has been brought out of bondage. The one who has renounced the world and its ideologies. And the one who has embraced the kingdom of God, its principles, and strives to live according to them by the grace of God. Brethren, that is the only way we can speak about trust and obedience. It is easy to tell you to trust that God will help you through this and that to navigate through the waters of the Christian life. Just come and join us and you will be able to obey. But that is a wrong approach if I don't tell you how this trust is enacted in your life. It is a trust that has an object who is the Lord Jesus Christ and who alone gives grace for obedience. So let's 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 think about that is Obeying God a burden, is it burdensome to you? Maybe worse still, is it something you hate? If it is, maybe your root is not well placed. Maybe you have not even begun the journey. Run to the Lord Jesus. Cry to the Lord Jesus. The promise is simple. Whoever believes, whoever believes, everyone who believes, Jesus says, will be 
born again. And obedience is not something that should leave us gloomy. Like, think about it. Why does, why are we called to Christianity and we come and we find so much things that we are told to do? Do not do this, do not do this, do that, start doing this. Why? Why, why, why do we have to be told to come to this life which apparently to many sounds very burdensome? But brothers and sisters, when you think about whatever God has designed for Christians, it is actually for their good. How many of you, or if we have parents here, or if you have a child, how many would, knowing that this is my only child, how many would tell their children to live in a certain way knowing that it's harmful? How many will tell them to avoid a certain company of friends knowing that it is helpful for them to interact with such? When we grew up, that's what we thought about our parents. Mom in Tiaji, mom in Nikazia. Dad does not want me to go here to do this. But when you think about it, it was for your good. Years later, you look back and say, that's the best daddy. The instructions, the discipline I went through was for my good. It is no different with our Heavenly Father. The obedience he calls us to does not benefit him in any way. God is all sufficient. He is independent of, he is dependent on no one. He is sovereign. He existed before Adam in perfect fellowship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from eternity. He did not need men. And therefore, our obedience can add nothing to God. Our obedience is for our own good. Our obedience is for our own good to keep us on the right path of life. And the privileges we have in obeying God, sweet communion and intimacy with God. Joy knowing that we are living a life that pleases God. If you are a Christian and you found yourself in a gross sin, you know how terrible it is to your conscience to live in sin. How unrestful you are. How peace flees from you until you mend your ways and turn to the Lord in repentance. It is because disobedience to a believer is a disruption of the relationship he has with God and which God has designed that our obedience should enrich our relationship with him. So as I finish, it is clear that Believing 
must precede behaving. That's why even in the preaching in the book of Acts, people did not go telling people, you must start going to church. You must avoid uh, immorality. You must stop drinking. You must do this and that. Their message began with what had already been done by Jesus. The letters of Paul, when you read half of one letter, you'll find him speaking about what has been done. And then the last half, he tells you what you need to do. That's Christianity. What has been done is salvation has been paid in full. Jesus paid it all. It is done. And therefore, in Acts, they went preaching, believe, 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 believe in what has been accomplished. And after believing, when the root is rightly established, you can proceed to behave. And behave as a son, daughter of the kingdom. I will end it there. But as I finish, if you are a believer in our midst, most of you I believe are, praise the Lord. Urge you, urge us to continue rejoicing in this sweet fellowship with God. A fellowship that is enriched as we walk according to his commands, which are not burdensome. Because he has given us the power, the ability, his Holy Spirit in us as a guide and his word to continue sanctifying us. Praise the Lord for that. And may we continue to live for him. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Obedience brings glory to God. But if you're there and these things are strange, maybe you've been trying to obey while still with an unchanged nature, I plead with you. Our God is a God of so wide, so high, so long, so deep love and mercy that he says, come. As many as you come, as many as believe and receive him, he gives them rights to be called children of God. Come. Don't ask. Come to Jesus. Don't ask, okay, will, will he receive me as I am with what I have been doing, with my life and its pile of sin? Just come. Jesus came for such people. Turn to him. Repent and believe. And you shall be born of God. By trusting in him. And you shall be able to live this life we are talking about. A life of obedience to God. You can also see me after this. And we continue the conversation. May we pray.
Father, you have spoken and we have heard that the right procedure has to be followed if we have to fulfill our task, our call today to trust and obey. And that begins by simply putting our trust in Jesus Christ who has paid it all, trusting that whatever he did for people like us is sufficient for our salvation. And with that root laid, we can bear fruit from a good tree. We thank you that, Lord, you have drawn to yourself many in our midst, many you have caused to look to you for their salvation, many you have given faith and repentance, and many, Lord, you have helped to live a life of obedience, not necessarily perfection for none is without sin, but a life that shows the grace of God in the heart. We do pray that you would increase this grace, that we may love you more, we may live for you more, we may, Lord, proclaim you more, and our lives may redound to the glory of God even more. For our dear friends who are in our midst and do not know Christ as their Savior, and are yet to enter into the sheepfold, we pray that you would draw them to yourself. Grant them, Lord, this faith to look, to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and therefore be saved and enabled also to live a life of obedience. Please help us by your Holy Spirit and continue to guide us through your word. We praise you and we honor you. We pray these things believing in Jesus' name.